Hey everybody, and welcome to Let's Pod This. Look, it's Andy and Scott. What's up, guys? How's everybody doing this week? We are uh, live in Technicolor and Stereo. Indeed. Right? It's fancy. Scott, it's good to see you. Hey, man, you too. It's been a long week. It, it has been. It's been. A, it's been a long week. A lot has gone on. We have. Um, I mean, I feel like we could. We could talk about a whole lot of things this week. We've tried to narrow it down to uh, the most important, but we could certainly. <laughs> we could. We could get into a lot, should we choose to, and should we drink enough whiskey? Well, that's always the case. It's always possible. Uh, I've actually switched to wine this evening. We, uh, so tonight was uh, is really the second week we're recording in studio, and so we had a little bit of a pod party, a pod pizza party. Look at that. It's alliteration right there, folks. It was, it was a bit of a board-only event tonight because uh, we want to thank our board president, uh, Nicole, for donating this generous space. And uh, and we look forward to um, having more people in in this office, this allows us to not be in your upstairs room right. and have some better guests uh, that can join us. It was and fine with me, but uh, I think... Uh, hey, hats off to your lovely wife for right. letting us intrude on her house. <laughs> As she said earlier this evening, um, I have always seen her in her pajamas more often than she cares to admit. Yes. Um, not in an awkward way. Usually she's on the couch, but, you know, and it's Friday afternoon and your husband's friend shows up to record a podcast. You'd like to maybe just move on with your weekend. <laughs> no, I mean she. Uh, we loved hosting the show at the house, and uh, Ashley loved having us there. I think the uh, I think the breaking point though was uh, when I was saying, "Hey, this person who's running for this major statewide office." We had a lot of candidates in the upper room, um, <laughs> and uh, we had some great uh, great conversations, great experiences. But I, if it was my house, I'm sure that my spouse would also appreciate not doing that. Well, and much as I much as I love the much as I love Juno. Uh, she can't make her customary guest appearance while uh, while we're here in Studio 340. 430. 430. Studio 430. I'm still learning the name. We'll get some kind of new graphic back here. But we do have a new sign. And last week, if you uh, if you watched the podcast, if you listened to it, you heard us talk about it. If you watched it, um, we have a Let's Pod This sign behind us. And, and it I had it just some scotch tape and it fell. There's a few dents in the uh, border. The, brought the gaff tape this week. I, uh, I have some actual um, 3M... Oh, nice. Command adhesive yeah. to really Com- command it to stay. Command strips, get it done. Yeah, indeed. So, uh, Scott, well, let's... Um, Should we get into it? Yeah, let's uh, let's get into the news here. Beautiful. All right. Well, that sound means it's time for our weekly news roundup. We've got uh, four articles for you this week. Three, two of them are related, so it's kind of three topics, four articles. First up... From the good folks over at Nondoc, I mean, we're re- this is going to be really brief because this is a long article, uh, but it's really interesting and it's worth your read. This is called "The District Courts and Others Seek Supplemental Appropriations." So, first of all, what is a supplemental appropriation? What this means is that there are several Oklahoma agencies, departments that are asking the legislature for money above and beyond what they were appropriated this time last year to complete the FY19 fiscal year, right? So they're saying, hey, for whatever reason, we need more money. Whatever we were appropriated by the by the legislature last year is not going to get us through the end of the fiscal year. Um, there is a House bill, House Bill 2737, that was heard this week. Um, is in a, a supplemental appropriation of $2.5 million to the court system. And this is, it's kind of complicated, but... Essentially what this amounts to is that there was a pay raise that was given to employees of the judicial system in Oklahoma, and that pay raise went into effect earlier than was anticipated. And in fact, it went into effect so early it went into effect so early that the court system has been actually holding off funding this pay raise for several months. Hmm. But they have to do it. They're legally bound to honor this pay raise. And if they do that, they don't have enough money in their budget to make payroll and finish the fiscal year. So um, this does present an awkward situation. Hey, guys, BT dubs, you don't get paid. Right. And so and this actually um, it happened because there was so there was a um, the in November 17, um, there was the recommendation that there was this six percent pay raise that has was supposed to happen in 2013. It's been delayed for a long time. Um, But then in June of last year. Um, one of the judges for the Court of Criminal Appeals, Judge Lumpkin, requested an informal opinion from the Attorney General, basically saying, like, hey, look at the law, and according to the law, when are we supposed to get this raise? And Attorney General Hunter said that, like, the raises have to be implemented this fiscal year. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that is 
what there was. That's what's the that's what that's the justification for this two point five million dollars sure. um, in supplemental appropriations. So um, it's it's interesting just because it's one it's an it's an interesting example of process. Two, it is uh, sparking some changes in how departments and agencies are going to be required moving forward to notify the legislature of okay. new um, kind of fiscal liabilities that they have. Right. Um, and it's just it's it's an interesting kind of look at how some of these appropriations work. It's an interesting look at how the justice system is funded. Um, there's also another section about OMES, so which is the uh, Office of Management Enterprise Services. Um, the they, administrative wing of the state government. Yes, and they asked for $16 million for their Information Services Division. Uh, and then Career Tech asked for a supplemental appropriation as well. So head to Nondoc and check out that article. It the title is just district courts seek supplemental appropriation, but it looks at all three of those right. agencies. Right, right, right. Um, next up, we've got a piece by the good folks at the Journal Record. Um, so this is dealing with what is this is arguably the biggest news of the week. Um, the the OMES, which is the what's not OMES, it's the uh, Board of Equalization, excuse me. Mm -hmm. The Board of Equalization met this week, which is the governor, the lieutenant governor, the state treasurer, and Finance secretary. Finance secretary is like five or six people. Yeah, yeah. And they are the ones that... The money folks. The money folks. They certify the revenue estimate. So this is the group of people that tells the legislature how much money they have to appropriate for the upcoming fiscal year. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This is that number that if you've been listening to our show or watching other news sources, everybody's been throwing around this number of $615 million, but saying it's probably going to be lower because of changes in energy prices, mm -hmm. but no one knows how much. Well, we now know. So it's now 615 minus 37.8 million. So it's about 500. It's like 535 million dollars, give or take. So okay, say that again. So, so we are going to have 575-ish million dollars more this year than we did last year, right? Yes. So like we, we'll have more than that. We got to spend some, but we're gonna the the raise we're gonna feel is that we're gonna have roughly. $575 million more than we did last year. Right. So one way to think about this is when the legislature is looking at the budget, really you've got three options. So you can have the same budget that you held last year. So that's holding everyone flat. Mm -hmm. You can cut because you have less money to spend than you did the year before. Right. Or you can appropriate more. One thing, if you're a new listener, you may be saying, well, why do they have to have this number before they, before they can set the budget? Why can't they just, you know, deficit finance or sell bonds or these sorts of things? So can't do debt. Oklahoma, State can't do debt. That's right. Oklahoma is required by law in our constitution to run. Uh, we cannot have, we have to have a balanced budget. So the legislature. Just, I'm sorry to cut you off, but like, I feel like that is one of those things where it's like, you know, we do a lot of stupid things around here and this is one that's not so stupid. It depends actually. Um, I mean, well, yes, I will. I would tell you my my <laughs> business depends. school professors would tell you that taking on debt is a uh, strategic uh, effort many times, especially for things like like uh, bonds. Although, how do they do? Cause they, they can do bonds for transportation, right? Yeah, so they can do bonds for certain things, but they can't deficit finance the way that the, the regular operations. It's got to be like concrete right, things for a project. I think it's very limited in what they can do. Right, right. Well, and I'll be honest, like in in the grand scheme of things. This is probably a good rule, right? Like because we haven't been great about managing our budget. I think that I mean I think that's fair and I think that certainly a lot of I mean I think that a lot of I think a lot of legislators would agree with you. All right. But um, all that to say, so the revised revenue estimate came out this week and it's roughly it's 574.5 575 million dollars. Mm -hmm. So um, that is more money that the legislature has to uh, spend than they did last year. And you're thinking, okay, well, Scott and Andy, you guys have been saying that all these agencies have been cut. We've been raising teacher pay. Right. This is like a this is a good deal, right? Well, so it's actually it's actually not as much money as it sounds like. So Governor Stitt gave a press conference this week and he had this five hundred and seventy five million, he wrote it on the top. So two hundred million of that is gone, like right off the bat. Because that is outstanding. That's that's liabilities that the state already has to pay. So that's mostly for graduate medical education, which we've talked about at length. It's also for uh, ad valorem reimbursement is the other big one. So, so you're saying like we've got 575 million extra, but some of that is already already spent. So we don't really have correct. Well, that's disappointing. Yes, and so that's 200 million that's gone. 
And so that's 375, uh, another 60 million of it. Uh, and I was a little confused by this because I've seen 60 million, I've seen 80 million, and I've seen 125 million. <laughs> Governor that's, Stitt. That's a little bit of variance. It there. is. So Governor Stitt said that his teacher pay raise, that's $1,200, which looks like it's going to happen because it's already started. It's working, yeah, started it's, passing, yeah. It's uh, yeah. working its way through the legislature. I think it passed the House this week in right. Kennedy, right? So, uh, oh, it actually passed off the floor of the House and it was unanimous right, off the floor right, of the House. Yeah. So it's going go to it'll go to the Senate now. Um, that Governor Stitt said that's going to cost sixty million. I saw an article this week that said it was going to be eighty million, and then we had seen estimates of one hundred twenty-five million. So it's not a hundred percent clear to me how much the teacher pay raise is costing, but the number that the governor threw out was sixty million. So that's two hundred. Is, is that not like at least a little concerning that we're like, well, it's somewhere between sixty and one hundred twenty. Like it's it's, it's going to cost this or twice this. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. it's not it's not a, it's not ideal. Um, but so that's 260 million that's already spent. So liabilities that have already been incurred and then the teacher pay raises to mean that that's $60 million. So then there is governor Stitt. One of the things that he campaigned on in addition to a, in, in addition to a teacher pay raise is putting more money in the state savings account. He is very, he feels really strongly that he wants to start, buttressing the rainy day fund so that in the event we have uh, hold it, on the buttressing buttressing what, what does that mean uh bucking up shoring up if you will sure. to okay. reinforce Ooh, that's a better definition uh, because like a, a, a buttress is like a reinforced wall of yes. sorts or like a a flying buttress if you will <laughs> i will thank no, you yes noted, no, no, noted gothic architecture feature flying <laughs> buttress indeed go ahead please um, continue so he wants to put some additional monies in savings. Now he campaigned on 250 million. He has revised that down. He now wants to put 200 million in savings um, in the rainy day fund. So that's 200 million, 60 million, 200 million. So now we've just spent 460 of our uh, 575 million. So goodness. Indeed. Yeah. So we really don't have that much left to, to play with. It's about, again, depending on your estimate, um, it's going to be, uh, now I say this using those numbers, there's, you know, a hundred ish million dollars that they have to appropriate. So okay. that would be like the 2.5. Okay. That's right. That's not, that's not nothing. It's not peanuts. No, yeah. I mean, if I had a hundred million dollars in my bank account, I would be a very happy man. I would buy a yacht. That yes, among other things. Yes, but I would buy a yacht. Yeah, I would say Yahtzee. Yes, I would buy a. I know exactly what I'd buy too. I have. Uh, I have a feeling you have it already bookmarked. I do. I have a weird boating obsession <laughs> for boats that I can't afford. Considering we have tiny man-made lakes that in I'll our state, never be able to afford. But that's fine. Um, but one thing that's there. One thing that's not clear is whether the legislature is actually going to do that, right? The governor doesn't get to decide if money goes into the savings account. The legislature does. It's so, I mean, this is checks and balances, which is a good thing. However, I feel like often in Oklahoma government, our checks and balances is less about checking and balancing and more about screwing the other guy. Agreed. Can I say that on camera? Agreed. Agreed. So the the question is going to be, if the legislature does what the governor asks and they spend the $200 million that we've already spent, they spend the money on the teacher pay raise, and they put $200 million in savings, that leaves about $100 million-ish that they can appropriate across other agencies. If they don't put the $200 million in savings, that's $300 million that they can appropriate across other agencies. Now, there's a fairly significant difference between $100 million and $300 million. Uh-huh. Both lots of money, but $300 million is quite a bit more. And just for point of reference, Andrew, if you were going to guess how many, like, uh, if you look at the largest state agencies and you look at their budget requests for FY 2020 mm-hmm. compared to FY 2019, how much more money do you think uh, state agencies are asking for? Uh, I'm going to say somewhere around $400 million. Uh, you're off by a little bit. It's uh, and, and by little you mean a lot. Uh, Three billion dollars. Oh well, I mean, I forgot that zero. And if you don't carry the one, <laughs> right, it right. does add so, up a significant way. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so funding funding requests for FY 2020 are three billion more 
than FY 2019. That's the Department of Corrections has an increase uh, request of one billion. Education's asking for four hundred million themselves. Higher ed is asking for a hundred million. So like, we have best case scenario ten percent of what we're being at what what agencies are asking for. Um, and on the one hand, I think we have a legislature that really wants to get off on the right foot and work with the governor. On the other hand, we have a lot of legislatures that were elected on both sides of the aisle, frankly, a lot of legislatures that were legislators that were elected on the express idea that we have been cutting and underfunding our state agencies for too long. Right. And I don't know how much appetite there is going to be to stick 200 million in the bank when that's 200 million that we could use to offset some of the cuts we've made for the last 10 years. Did we talk about this last week? I feel like if it wasn't last week, we have recently because this is, I think this is the quintessential struggle, right? That Oklahoma faces that many Oklahomans face that, that we are, that we are, we can't afford to save, but we also can't afford to spend. And we're in this quagmire, right? That like, um, I, I've personally been in a situation where like, I know I gotta buy tires in the next couple of years, right, for my car, and so I should, I should save money for those tires every month, or I could go to brunch at Cafe Cacao tomorrow, and like that is the and 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 or or I mean that's a, a facetious I, joke, but I, like I was I would say yes, your point is right, but I would say that the state of the Oklahoma, the state that we're in in Oklahoma, is you know you have to buy tires in two years and you know you need to save for that but you also you don't know but you know it's possible that next week you may have to replace your water heater right, right? well like, and, and so probably yeah probably a better a, a better example is that i i know i need to i need to save to have an emergency fund should i lose my job right you know most financial experts uh, recommend that you have three to six months of um of bills saved up so that if you lost your job, you could pay bills for a few months while you look for a new job. So I should have an emergency fund like that, but I also need to buy tires. And like, you can't not buy tires, right? Like that's pretty urgent. I don't, I don't need them today, but like I'm going to need them soon. And so like, and you don't want to wait until you have to have them to buy them. Right. Because uh, yeah, the other option is I wait to have a blowout and then I buy tires. Been there. But like four times. <laughs> have you really? Have you had a blowout while you're driving? Uh, no, I've never. I have never had a blowout. I have had no less than three or four times where I have like actively had like like I, you're running like, on a flat tire. Like I've like I started off the road trip with like four fine tires and like halfway there had a flat. Man, that's never happened to me. One one the closest I ever got one time I was. Uh, I was going to leave to drive home to Austin and when I was in college, it's like a Chevy pickup. And before I went, I always got my car washed and I was in the, uh, one of those drive through car wash things like the, uh, by pet boys on expressway. Yeah. 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 And, uh, you have to pet boys. You have to, yeah. Manny, Mo and Jack. Um, you have to that's get a, that's a that's an old reference. Right I think there. that well, they're still around. Maybe they'll sponsor the podcast. The Pet Boys is still around. A Pepcast. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, it's out in you know in Bethany area out there. Um, and so I was going in. You have to put your tire in the groove, right, to guide you in. And uh, my tire was not new. As I came in, the guy didn't direct me, and I caught the thing, and that the guy just like straight up like that's i've got a sound effect for this that's about what it felt like that was epic that's about what it felt like and so yeah um so that was oh dang it just messed up my uh soundboard here well um hot bang undo worked i deleted my my default soundboard now it's back that was almost a very bad deal, but now we've still got... Ooh, it's a full-on accident. That's what it could have been. That's what it could have been. But it's not. But what happened is I got a flat right as the you entered the car wash, and there's four or five cars behind me, and they couldn't get in, and I couldn't... I was like, what do we want me to do? Like, I... Because I was too far in where I couldn't back up, right? But I had a flat tire, and so I they literally had to shut down the car wash about 30 minutes while I ran to putt oh, boys. That sucks. Got them... 
to like get a spare, come over, jack up like my car, rolled the spare back over. Yeah, like they we brought it over and like jacked up my truck in the in the lane, put the spare on, lowered it, went through the car wash, and then um, and I was like, "You guys owe me for the spare." And they're like, "It's not our fault." And I was like, "The hell, it's not, man! Like, <laughs> you drove me up on this metal blade and it pierced my tire, and it cost me seventy five dollars." And they gave me like thirty five bucks, and I was like, "Listen, that." I was so mad, but I was, and I was a poor college student. I didn't right. have money for that kind of thing. Right. I'm $35 to just throw away. But yeah. that's, that's the, de- <laughs> like, that's the debate that we're going to see in the legislature over the next few weeks is I, I think that's going to be, I, I mean, we'll see. It'll, it'll depend how hard the governor pushes the legislature and how hard, if at all, they push back. But, well, we haven't really, s- that's, so, sorry, I'm going to keep interrupting yeah, yeah. with, this is a non tire related story, but I feel like this, I thought about this a lot this week that, we are just now getting into the point in the legislative session where we're getting to see some of those dynamics, right? Like yeah. up until now, it's all been pretty cool. And like, everyone's like, yeah, yeah, guns, let's all pass this. And like, let's not pass those other things. And it's been pretty cordial, but at some point we're going to get to the point where like, I mean, we've seen like the house has passed some things and the uh-huh. Senate's saying, no, we don't have any interest in that. Right. And it, there's going to be some things with the, that the governor said he wants that the legislature, one chamber or the other, is not going to be a fan of. Well, I think one thing that's tough is that, especially because Governor Stitt, for all of his you know skills and experience in the private sector, is new to politics. Right. And so I think from the governor's perspective, he's he's thinking, I don't know what the hell you guys are talking about, but like I was elected, I won by 15 points, the people voted for me, like this is this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I think that one of the things, and, and this, yeah, maybe we're the. But he we can't be, make them right. Well, that's the thing is we could be well, and so that's that's one of the things. One of the things that the governor ran on was like, you create the culture, and then you provide the expectation, and then you lead people, and that works really well when the people in question work for you. <laughs> when they have a, right. <laughs> right when you can you can just fire them right. But but the legislature, the legislature doesn't, doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, the legislature doesn't work for you. Like that's and, funny, and so. The question is going to be because because I think there are again I think there are legislators on both sides of the aisle who are going to say, "Hey man, it's great that you ran on putting all this extra money in in the rainy day fund and people voted for you, but I ran on restoring funding to this agency that my constituents care about and they all voted for me. Mm. So and and we appropriate yeah. the dollars, right? So right. <laughs> suck <sorry>. it, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Now they may not they may not say that. Like they may say, "Oh, this is what the governor wants. This is what we're going to do." I honestly don't know what's going to happen, but some of the some of the quotes I've seen and some of the rumblings that I've heard are that um, the legislature is not really a they don't really have an appetite to put a bunch of money in savings when they have new money to appropriate for mm-hmm. the first time in like ten years. Right. So yeah, um, we had talked about that before. I brought it up again this week because every time we talked about it up till now, it's been kind of hypothetical because mm. there was a very real fear that that revised revenue protection wasn't going to be $575 million. It was going to be $350 million. And right. so, right, right, right. So, right. It, so it'd I, be a I, moot point. Yeah. So I think on the whole, I mean, the state has ended up in a pretty good spot, right now. That's not to say that thing. I mean, there's always stuff going on with, uh, OPEC and Saudi Arabia, and there's a chance that they could do something with the price of oil that really screws yeah. over our state. And I mean, they could drop it to, 35 bucks a barrel and then we're screwed yeah right like then we're it depends on it depends on if they it depends on who they want to go to war with do they want to if they want to go to war with if they want to go to war with very pleasant topic to think about well but i mean like not not war like 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 bang bang not like fighting war i mean like like pew 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 who like if you're talking about opec who is opec trying to hurt are they trying to hurt american companies because if they're trying to hurt american companies then they could turn up their supply so that the price drops mm-hmm. but if they're trying to hurt american consumers they turn down their supply right so that the price goes up which is actually really good for oklahoma companies well, yeah, and the yeah. Oklahoma budget right for so, the state i mean with the, the rest of us pay more at the pump right 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 so uh so one more topic on our news roundup and this is um these are two articles that are related one from news okay one from oklahoma watch so uh, <laughs> this is the, a follow-up from last week yes yeah, so the the first one we're going to start with oklahoma watch so um you may recall that in the fall on one of our episodes we talked about how uh 
the ethics committee, the ethics commission, excuse me, had proposed some rules and they had said that there should be a two year cooling off period for former legislators before they're allowed to become registered lobbyists. Um, there was there was some outcry from some outgoing legislators that this was just ridiculous and that the Ethics Commission has no business or right to determine what private citizens do on their own free time or how they earn their living. Um, and in fact, it's interesting now that three of those folks are registered lobbyists. Well, well yeah, there's more than that, I would I would say, but they... This this article uh, highlights three representatives, former representatives Pat Ownby, Josh Cockroft, and Bobby Cleveland. Uh, Josh Cockroft was term limited and left last year. Was mm-hmm. he term limited or did he mm-hmm. elect not to run? I feel like he elected not to run. I think he had served eight years and elected not to run for... for that's. I think you're right. Uh, Bobby Cleveland lost in his primary and Pat Ownby... Why did Ownby leave? Was oh. he... Did he lose or did he? I do not recall. Um, but all that to say, they are all three now registered lobbyists. Um, Representative Cockroft is now uh, a lobbying for the Oklahoma Association of Realtors. Mm-hmm. Representative Ownby of Ardmore is now employed by Gap Consulting and registered to lobby on behalf of the Oklahoma Board of Nursing, the Oklahoma Banking Department, the Oklahoma Department of Consumer Credit, the Independent Finance Institute, the Community Bankers Association of Oklahoma, Oklahoma Energy Producers Alliance, Association of Professional Oklahoma Educators, the John and Don Brock Foundation, and the Oklahoma Pharmacists Association. Interesting. That's Representative so, Ownby, like, that's all the groups on whom, whose behalf he is working. Right. So I will say, you know, I have, um, over the last couple of years, met a few people who are, like, contract lobbyists, which sounds bad. It sounds like a contract killer, and that's not exactly a uh, a fair assessment right so typically um uh, lo- contract lobbyists work on behalf of several customers several clients right so it's scott for you it's not it's not that much different than like you having multiple patients right like you're not just the doctor for jim bob you're the doctor for all your patients right um and that's and that's kind of the way this works too so these are all these are all your clients or it's like someone having an agent and that it's not just you're not just the agent for one person. You're the agent for several sports, you know, something. Yeah, I just think that's it's just interesting to me. That when, like when you when you just left the legislature, it does raise some eyebrows, right? And my issue is like, and I shouldn't even say my issue. I think the issue that the ethics commission had, and that the issue folks in the public have. There's nothing wrong with being a lobbyist. You know, lobbyists they get a bad rap. We've talked about it at length on the show that like lobbyists actually serve an important an important function and do some valuable work but there is a reasonable question to ask like you know should like should you be allowed to do that immediately like when you leave right, um, right. well I, th- I think especially when it's that many organizations when they're there all those i mean the nurses the there's several medical things there We've got a number of medical bills that are working their way through the legislature this year. Um, although those organizations might have positions on bills, you know, uh, vaccines and abortion and other stuff too. And um, uh, but I, I think it, it's tough. Like I, it looks bad. I'm not sure that it is bad. Um, do you, you know, we have several uh, teachers that ran for office this year, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. Do uh, you know how long they have to wait before they can be teachers again? Is it, is it two years? Yeah. Right. So if you're a public school teacher that, and you decide I'm going to go run for office and try to help the state's education system and you serve your 12 years and you need a job when you finish and you don't want to be a lobbyist, you would like to go back and work in the you, classroom. You have to wait for two years. Do Is that because they don't want them to come into office, pass a pay raise for teachers and then go back to be a teacher? It is because that you uh, as an elected official cannot enter into a contract with the state for two years after you leave office. Oh, so you couldn't be like a well, the lobby, the state can't really have lobbyists anymore either. That's a funny rule, and it's I think that's a rule that makes sense, with the exception of teachers. Like it, it yeah. applies to lots of lots of situations, yeah. but not educators. Also, um, it's weird that educators are hired on contracts. Yes, we need to talk to uh, like Stephanie Hinton from Passing Notes, her podcast, and and we need to do a teacher episode totally, here totally um, because i that's something that i we've well we've talked about doing a cross episode with her actually doing it we have uh, we should make that happen the next yeah. couple of weeks um that's something i don't there's a lot about education policy that i don't 
I'm just learning. It's, I mean, it's super complicated. Well, and I, you know, um, uh, Amy Curran with Generation Citizen, and, and you know, I'm on their board as well. And I, I will say that she and I have been uh, talking about doing a podcast about some education stuff, like everything about how to how to request an IEP, how to attend an IEP, how to talk, you know, how to advocate for your child, how to do a lot of things that I think that we as parents are expected that we should know. And I'd like to believe that I'm someone who can figure this stuff out better than others, but this is stuff that I don't know that I have children that are in school and if they had these needs, I would be floundering through the system just like everybody else. And I can't imagine totally what it's like for folks who don't have the resources that, that you and I might have. So, okay. You know, and then our last article, our last piece this week is from News OK. As it turns out, the state of Oklahoma has one less registered lobbyist this week than we did uh, a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Oklahoma County Commissioner Kevin Calvey has filed paperwork with the Oklahoma Ethics Commission to terminate his lobbying registered registration. So, uh, uh, here, there was. I don't. I don't know. I gotta. <laughs> I don't know why that was perfect. A foghorn. No, that was perfect, but it was great. Do you have like a, a ship horn? Like, boom, oh, that'd be good. That's that'd all I have. I've got a gong. To meet you all. A slight. This is probably. That's better for <laughs> Kevin Calvey. There you go. So Kevin Calvey is no longer a registered lobbyist for Oklahomans for life. You know, Scott. This reminds me. I. I don't. Um, I think Nondoc had this story this week about uh, his brother. Yes, yeah. and I, you know, it's a crazy story. I'm going to mention this, and I will admit to the listeners at home and viewers at home that I understand this is. I don't like involve people's families, but this was so bizarre and timely with everything else going on in our country that um, Trace from Nondoc sent it to me. Um, so Kevin Calvi's brother Michael is. Um, uh, founded a company called Bering Vostok, and it's some kind of uh, investment firm, uh, Barong Vostok Capital Partners. Um, and Michael Calvi, Kevin Kevin Calvi's brother, is in prison now in Russia, right? And um, he's he's been a prominent U.S. investor in Russia for more than twenty years, and but was detained a couple of weeks ago. It was in the Washington Post. Um, he denied the charges, and but yeah. yeah, I mean it's a major national story, and it's becoming a bigger national story because apparently, according to, it was either in the either in the New York Times or the the Post today, he is reportedly not being allowed access to American embassy officials, oh um, man, legal counsel in the way that he's supposed to be, um, and and that's a that's a big deal because it violates um, mm. some treaties that mm-hmm. we have that we have with Russia. So it's like, it's a well, big deal. And so we heard, you know, again, we don't get into national politics very often, but we heard today from multiple news sources that the Mueller investigation um, may be coming to a close in the next week or so. Did, did you, have you listen to the new 538? Uh, I haven't listened to the one from today. I, it's, I almost texted you like the first five minutes. I was like, oh, this is good. There are something like 18. I'm super, I mean, maybe Mueller will file his report next week. I have learned yeah, that whatever right. people say Robert Mueller is going to do, it's not the he case. usually does the opposite. Right, right. They So they cite some like reputable sources on why they think this way. I guess CNN is basically like had a stakeout on this CNN's deal. CNN's reporting it. Several of his attorneys have gone back to their old job. There's people yeah, that are like yeah. carrying... Yeah, I mean, there's... there The, the, the signs report, are there. The reports are not unfounded, um, but there's also several things that seem to be not wrapped up, most notably the Supreme Court case that he's involved in. Um, so Mueller has a Supreme Court case with an undisclosed company about whether or not they have to cooperate with the investigation and submit certain records. And the case hasn't been ruled on yet and no one knows who this company is. So it's bananas. Yeah. It's like, there's like, there's still like a lot of stuff going on with, uh, so they said with old, with old Bob. Yeah. So on, on today, so they were, we're recording this on, on a Friday, the 22nd, right? So eight forty one PM. Yes. Um, so, uh, 538 said today that there's something like 18 in um, investigations um, that are ongoing yeah. like uh, into the Trump and his companies and all that stuff. And so it's that's, not as many as Scott Pruitt, but it's not a small number. <laughs> well, they also said, uh, going back to, let's say to Nixon, right? Um, every president has had at least one special prosecutor situation um, like this or special, whatever, Mueller's investigator, um, 
with the exception of Barack Obama. I was going to say, I don't think our most yeah. recent president did. Yeah, but I mean, like certainly Clinton did, um, both the Bushes did, Carter did. I guess they looked in, there were some allegations that Jimmy Carter's peanut warehouse was like... I was hoping it had something to do with his peanuts. Yes, yes. <laughs> that's right. Jimmy Carter's nuts were under investigation. <laughs> oh, where's the rim shot? Uh, yeah, that's... Oh, man, I was not that prepared was, for that. that was, oh, I that wanted was, to make the joke. That's and that, a missed opportunity. I sure did. Um, but yeah, so there was a lot of... Uh, hey, uh, hey. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Andy, uh, I heard... Uh, <laughs> I heard... Uh, you know how bad this guy is, Andy? There's someone at the door, Rodney. I'm not sure. No, thank, you. thank you. We got the, we got the reverence. Hello. Have, so uh, coming into the uh, room here is... Board member uh, Ava Doyle. Ava Doyle. Hello, Ava. Have a seat there at that chair. There's some headphones. Um, Ava's going to hop on the podcast here and join us. Um, Ava, we are discussing everything. Um, we made a, a quick uh, digression into um, discussing Robert Mueller, Mueller and... Uh, and uh yeah there you go um so robert Mueller and his um uh investigation because kevin calvey's brother michael calvey has been uh is currently in prison in russia which is not there's a lot i don't want to be in prison anywhere but definitely not in russia you were making some point about it and then i cut you off and we started to rodney dangerfield yeah it wasn't that good of a point i'm sure so all that to say kevin calvey's brother uh, is imprisoned in Russia, which is a big deal. And I, w- I also I want to be clear. We're bringing this up because we were talking about... This is uh, a really effing it's, bizarre it's, story. It's bizarre. It's interesting. We were talking about Commissioner Calvi and his, um, you know, like that he had terminated his lobby, lobbying registration. We want to be really clear. We are not inferring or making any assumptions at all about the veracity of the charges against his brother right. or the the commissioner Calvi is involved in anything he shouldn't be. It's just a, an interesting coincidental story. That's, well, what, that's why I we think anything to do with Russia right now is suspicious. Ava, what do you think? Yeah. Oh man. Um, I did read that article or read about the article and was kind of amazed. I was like, wow. Um, I don't, I don't really know how, it's a, how the, how, the, how, the, how, the, how do you feel about it? Yeah, because, yeah. you know, we've already heard about with, uh, so far as uh, Kevin, Kevin Calvi's situation with being the lobbyist and mm-hmm. um, and the commissioner, and so you, you see that, and then you see this next article, and it's like, oh, oh, okay, um, right. wow, it, I, I don't, I don't know. So yeah, I, that was kind of a shocker. It could be that. nothing, but it just seems yeah, awkward. And everything is so sensitive about Russia. Right. Yeah, you just have to be really careful at this point. I will say, as a as a child of the '80s, when it was pretty clear that Russia was our enemy, mm-hmm. um, is odd i feel like i feel like the last two years have given us lots of fodder for like subsequent james bond movies yes like there's just if they just replayed actual real life stories it would be good plots because do you remember like when the uh there was a guy that was like uh assassinated in the airport they just like chloroformed him and killed him or whatever like oh yeah that actually that wasn't just like a oh yeah mm -hmm. that stuff's bananas so uh aside what's your favorite james bond movie me? Yes, you. Uh, Goldfinger. Interesting. So, well, I will say, James Bond, that's my favorite, probably my favorite overall. It's got all the things, right? Sean Connery and a nice say, car so, and all that. So you're you're uh, like Sean Connery. Yeah, era. I'm a Connery fan. However, the new ones with... Um, Pierce Brosnan? No, not that no. guy. Uh, the new ones with uh, oh, um, oh, Daniel yeah, Craig. Yeah. Daniel, Daniel Craig, Craig yes. Yeah. So I think those are, I think he's fantastic. Um, and... Um, I think uh, they are uh, like significantly superior movies. And I like, think I love it, the Sean Connery ones, but I feel like the Daniel Craig movies are like objectively yeah. like better films. Yeah, yeah. I um the what's the one that Adele did the song? Uh, Skyfall. Skyfall. Skyfall is yes. probably my yes. I have that my, on my on favorite Blu-ray. I I have that actually. I have it not on Blu-ray. I have it like digitally on my computer. Mm-hmm. I have watched that movie so many times. It's so good. I tried showing Katie and she was falling asleep. Um. But it, yeah, it's first of all Adele does a tremendous, mm-hmm. and I love a good song like so. Goldfinger has mm-hmm. Eartha Kitt singing mm-hmm. Goldfinger, right? Like it's just a oh, nice class. Oh. The there. man with the Midas wow. touch. Um, it's my Eartha <laughs> Kitt impression, but uh, that it's such a great. It's just a great Sean Connery film. Like mm-hmm. he's smooth, he's charismatic, he's got a cool gun, a cool car, great. Aston Martin, um, Skyfall is has all the throwback to Goldfinger mm-hmm. with the car and all that, and it gets into his like psyche. You know, and the therapist in me loves that. So, 
That's what's your favorite, Scott? Um, so I think that I think Casino Royale, like the the Daniel Craig Casino Royale, the new one is it's good. Is that the one where he's tied in the chair and they're like, yeah, oh god, yeah. that scene was brutal. So I love I love the Dan- I love the Daniel Craig version of James Bond because you know and. I grew up watching the Sean Connery version and then, and the, then the Pierce Brosnan movies and they were and like, I mean, they were, they were good, but like by the time but I got to Pierce Brosnan, it was not good I except mean, for, well, I mean, except they were, for Goldeneye because of the N64 game. Right. Like they were, they <laughs> were, knows. Oh yes, I do. Do not get me started on that. I like, do. I mean, they were, they were good to my like 12, 14 year old self. Right. Like I, you're right. They're not good movies, but um, the thing is, it's something. Something happened with James Bond that is similar to what happened with Batman. Yes, Batman, the Dark they, Knight series, right? They became cartoonish, right? Like they became like yeah. so unrealistic yeah. as to be caricatures. And what what Christopher Nolan did with the Dark Knight series, and what Daniel Craig, and there have been several people who have directed those movies, but what they did with this kind of reboot of James Bond was bring the character back to its roots, his roots, which is actually a very very dark very conflicted, not always very likable protagonist, right. um, which I find just really fascinating. So for me, it would be a tie between either Casino Royale or Skyfall. Yeah. Um, Quantum of Solace. It's fine. No. I don't, I mean, it's fine. No. And then the use um, of the word quantum. Ruins yeah. It. And then uh, the very last one, the most recent one that the Daniel Craig did, which is uh, uh, Spectre. Mm. I didn't see that one for a long, like it's not, I was like avoiding it, but I like was meaning to see it for like a year and like never read the time. And I don't know if it was because I think it's because I love Skyfall so much. Right. And I hadn't seen Spectre for such a long time. I like built it up in my head oh, yeah. and, and it, I was let down. Would, uh, would the beginning of Spectre where they have the, during the Dia de los Muertos, like that parade, that scene was phenomenal, but the rest of the movie was agreed. Was that scene was maybe one of the best parts of the movie. Ava, what's, what's your favorite James Bond you movie? You guys are going to be mad at me because I haven't no. really sat and watched one. Well, it's entirely, okay. But we're not angry. I will say this, and I don't know, I may make people mad when I say this, but I'm one of those, um, I would love to see Elders Elba. Because yes, oh, I'm, I was going to yeah. ask you this. No, totally. heart, heart, yes, I'm heart, totally heart. with you. And he'd be a fantastic Bond. Oh, yes. But he said he's not going to do it, right? That's nuts to me. I feel like he would be so great. Like he would So handsome. He's and, and my wife is all about him. Did you know? You may you probably did, but He's like a house music DJ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that, but it doesn't shock me at all. Yeah, no, he I, is. I didn't. Yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah. I was I was riding my uh, my road bike one day down on the river, and had like my little mount for my phone, and I was listening to some house station on Spotify, and I looked down and it said Idris Elba, and mm-hmm. I was like, who named their who's like who named their DJ band if that's a thing like Idris <laughs> Elba, and then I and then I, but I was like that looks like, like him. Idris Elba did right, and then I exactly right, and I got home and I googled it, and I was like, oh my god, this guy's so badass. He is. Yes. Um, this is this is fascinating, but to you, our dear listener, we do have a few other things to talk about. So shall we? We should. Uh, yeah, we're close to the uh, forty-four minute are we, mark uh, here. Are we taking a quick break before we get into our kind of couple main issues, or are we getting right into it? We can. We yeah. Let's do a quick break. All right, well, that was a super quick break. That was fast. Welcome back, everyone. We're here at Let's Pod This, and we're going to talk about the uh, legislative recap from this week. So for those of you that are not into uh, committee process, don't turn it off. Get into committee process. Yes. Just grab a drink and settle in. All right. Four things that we're going to kind of take a, a little bit of a closer look at here. In, so in 15 minutes. In 15 minutes. So the first thing this week, uh, as I'm sure will be shocking to no one, permitless carry advanced this week. It right. passed off the House floor. It, I will say I was at the Capitol yesterday for our monthly Capitol Day event, which was great. Uh, Ava was there. Thank I you for there. showing Yes, showing I was. Up. And uh, we had a good turnout, but mm-hmm. a bunch of UCO students, which was, was cool. It was wonderful. Were Very wonderful. carrying without permits? None of them were carrying without permits. Some of them were not even Oklahoma residents, but they right. were, some of them registered to vote because they were like, we talked about it. Like, oh, okay. Anyway, all that's say, Moms Demand Action, which is the advocacy right. group mm-hmm. that is uh, against constitutional carry and other, um, their 
pro-gun control, I guess you would say. So they were there uh, with their red T-shirts on, and they were definitely making their presence known. Yep. Um, so I saw them there. And they so it has passed off the House floor. I believe it passed out of Senate committee this week, and yes. now needs to be on the Senate floor. It'll be heard next week. It is. This is just. I mean. I will see how like we'll see how it goes. We'll see what the legacy of this law is in fifty years. But I, I think they're going to pass it on Monday. Oh, they're going to pass. They're, they're going to pass it. I think it's going to happen on Monday. And what the reason I say that is because it looks like this is going to be for Governor Stitt uh, the first piece of legislation he signs into law in his term of governor. And I'm just wondering if, like, in fifty years, if that's like. You know his legacy. Yeah, I mean if that's I mean, what we'll you see. you know. But so permitless carry continues to advance. The next thing to talk about was uh, J Cab. Doesn't it just make you happy saying J Cab? You're like you just what, what just, does J Cab mean? That time of mean? What does that mean? So this what is the mean? this is the Joint Committee on Appropriation and Budget. Now, oh. so there's the House Budget and like there's the House Committee on Appropriation and Budget. There's the Senate Appropriation Committee on uh, Committee on Appropriation and Budget. There is the Joint Committee on Appropriation and Budget. Every year, I have to look up the difference between the like individual appropriations committees and then JCAB, and I always feel like I'm a little dumb and like, man, I just you think but, I'd remember, but then this week on the Twitter, I saw I saw multiple journalists who follow the Capitol closely mm-hmm. tweeting out like, "Hey, uh, quick ref, can somebody remind me what the difference between JCAB and like regular committee like <laughs> appropriations budget committee is?" So I feel less dumb. That I have to talk about the difference, and we're not even going to get into that today because that can be like it's mm-hmm. like a whole section. But just yeah, it's like it is. But a, this is early in the session to have yeah. Jake at me. Right, right. Very Jake, early. Have, Jake have usually it's doesn't be more until the end. Like that's that's yeah. like, like the, April. Uh, April is when you start seeing all the Jake meetings, and even then, just a few, and then like the middle to end of May is just Jake all the time. Two years ago, um, uh, Effie Craven, former board member, and I, um, it had been a long session. It's maybe our first year. And there was a night where the was Jake, a, Jake had met until like eleven or something. yeah yeah stormy night. I remember mm-hmm. I got some really great photos of the Capitol. It's like a purple sky, and we took some insomnia cookies up to the Capitol press corps, and we showed up at the Capitol and met some of the people. And both Effie and I got out of our cars, and we both have our "Let's Fix This" T-shirts on. But we hadn't discussed it; we just had texted about it. And it was funny. We both showed up, and we're like, "Oh, so you just hanging out at home in your Let's Fix This" T-shirt like me? Okay." And both had shorts on. I do. And I know you do. Uh, don't you have a... You, we've discussed this on the podcast. You have a couple, right? I have multiple Let's Fix This shirts. That's right. You wear yours to work out in, if I recall. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes I fly in them. <laughs> I have you, worn I have worn a Let's Fix This t-shirt down the street for the world to see in America, Canada, France, the Czech Republic, Austria... I think that's it. That's good enough. I wore mine in Washington, D.C. I take that shit all over the world. No one asked me what we were fixing in Washington, D.C., only here. But anyway, <laughs> we uh, so we took cookies to the Capitol Press Corps, and I remember standing on the fourth floor at the north end of the rotunda there where the press room is, and we were trying to find all the guys in the press room and, and ladies, um, and they were I remember seeing Joel Dean like literally run by, and he was like, they moved it to some other room, and him and Dale didn't want like ran off. And then they came back five minutes later, like, no, they canceled it. And it was one of those nights where it was like, it's in 407, it's in 421, it's in 309. And they just kept moving it. And then, and there was no agenda. And it was just, just a bunch of shell bills. Well, it was Mm -hmm. sketchy, right? Like, and so Mm. I, I will say this and and I know a lot of, if, if any, well, I don't know if any legislators are listening um, or watching that, I, I know why this happens. I don't feel okay about it. And I'm not the only one. Like, it just, I, if you're going to be true, you're going to be noble, you're going to do the right thing, the right thing to do is to, in my opinion, and I get, we have different definitions of what's right, but the, it's to to be transparent, to be open about the process. If for no other reason that the media can get to the room and cover it, there's no one else there at 10 o'clock at night besides the media and two yahoos and t-shirts delivering yeah, cookies. Totally. totally. Anyway, I'm a, that's Mom. a... I'm sorry, I'm taking up our precious time. With no, no, all cookie the, discussion. All I'll say, Jacob met for the first time this week, and <laughs> so, and and the they I couldn't they uh, they they met. Uh, the agenda was posted, I think, like a little bit in advance, but it was mostly shell bills. Mm-hmm. Um, there was some rumblings about what they were going to do. Those turned out to be mostly accurate. The probably the biggest thing they did was they did pass a bill that would. They are clawing back the $30 million that was appropriated to the health department in the fall 
uh, it was the third. You remember the thirty million that like was missing, but then like it yes, wasn't missing, and so now they just have like thirty million extra dollars. Well, the legislature said, um, so about that thirty million we gave you. Yeah, we're going to need that back. And uh, in case you're really curious, the health department does not write the legislature a check for $30 million. The legislature, legislature simply decreases their FY 2020 appropriations right. by $30 million. And that's how they get that back and they're considered to be held flat. So that was the major thing that they did. There were a couple of other things that we may or may not get into in, in subsequent weeks, but the the biggest thing was the 30 months. So they appropriated, yeah. they appropriated $5 million, uh, to the governor's Quick Action Closing Fund, which is a... The Quick Action Closing Fund is a, a fund that the governor can use at his or her discretion in order to, like, expedite deals that bring business to Oklahoma like that petty, require... Petty. That require require funny. Yes, I know what you're saying. You're right. It's it's the governor's petty cash. Yes, that he that right. he or she can right. use for. And there was some discussion about whether or not there needed to be another five million dollars put in that fund, but uh, it was. So that passed out of JCAB. The next thing, and this is where I I have done most of the talking for this uh, episode, which is a shame for our listeners. But uh, Andy, I'm gonna let you take the lead here because a big piece of legislation passed Hi-oh. the House this week. Uh, that you've been working on for a long time. Uh, yeah, well, and I have not really um, been working on it directly, but yes, um, House Bill 1018, mm-hmm. I believe, was the uh, was the bill this this year. So this is a an, a bill that would amend, would update the HIV health education mandate that is codified in Oklahoma law. Um, the current law, as it is written, uh, was written in 1987, um, which happens to be the first year that. HIV medication was released. It was the very first year. And how old were you at that time? I was I was I was six. Six. I believe. So yes. I was so. turning eight. So that goes to show you that uh, it's it's been quite some time. So um, yeah, and so yeah, it's been a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, many things have changed in that time of you, Scott Melson, in front of the camera here. He's trying to refill our beverages. <laughs> you forgot that we have a camera in this room. Um, if you are listening at home on your podcast, definitely uh, go online. Look at our website, letsfixthisok.org. Look at the blog post that corresponds with this. It's a, a quick way to find the video. Um, you can also find this on uh, mostlyharmless.media, I believe. Um, and uh, and we'll try to post it to some other things. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, so this um, this bill, House Bill 8, 1018, um, updates the standard. It does, it, It's a substantial update to the language, but it's not... It's not really the content. It just um, it like updates the wording. So as an example, um, most of the the federal government and most other HIV and AIDS service organizations have shifted away from the word AIDS, the word HIV, because it, it better reflects um, where the epidemic is right now. So most folks living with the disease today have HIV, have a, a, the viral infection. They have not progressed to what is clinically defined as AIDS. So this is a big thing. There, well, I would even say too that's important because that is not just a term. Like they are two different things. What's well, a yeah? It's a you, disease status. Like you can you can have you can and most people do who have HIV now don't have AIDS. Right. It's, and AIDS distinguishes someone is like at some point because once you fall into the AIDS category, you're always in the AIDS category. And basically, it says at some point this person was really sick, like really really near death sick, um, and. And so it's a big change. So um, for the Oklahoma AIDS Care Fund, who is an organization that had requested this bill um, the last several years, um, this is um, we've it's passed the Senate a couple of times. Last year it died in a House committee the week of the teacher walkout um, because a lot of things died that week. It was just hard to get bills through. Um, so we are excited. We're very appreciative of Representative Marcus McIntyre for being the House author of this bill. Um, we are excited for it to, to pass the Senate because this this will help guarantee that Oklahoma students get the education that they need, likely the education that most of us received when we were growing up, um, but uh, um, but in some ways, like not not ever. Well, kids today just don't. They just don't get it. Real quick, I just I just have a quick question. Um, how many states do you know of that is doing similar to that? And the reason why I'm, I'm asking that is because I recently saw that it's going to be introduced in the Georgia state house of uh, their Mm. house of representatives Mm -hmm. there's a a lady who um 
um, is going to be doing that. And I thought, this is awesome that, that Georgia, and I would assume especially um, in in Atlanta, it's very, very, very well known um, that the HIV rate is very high. So they are really pushing to make sure that the state of Georgia is up to par. So I'm just wondering, do you know of any other states that are on the same us, level as us and in Georgia? Right, right. So that's a great question. I'm, I wish I knew, Ava. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure there's... Uh, you know, in the State of the Union address, President Trump addressed mm-hmm. the HIV epidemic in America. And I heard a rumor today um, that there, again, this, there may be a redirection of some funds from uh, international AIDS relief back home to domestic AIDS relief, which would honestly be a huge deal um, because, I mean, they could appropriate more money instead of doing other things with it. But because... Um, I mean, I think just together we got to work together to end this epidemic. And and so President Trump has pledged to end the transmission of HIV by 2030 in the United States, which is a big, hairy, lofty goal, and I like it um, oh, wow. because like it is definitely possible. This week, you um, uh, for listeners, uh, there was a, an NPR story on Morning Edition about HIV in rural America, um, or particularly in rural Oklahoma. In fact, Jackie Fortier from State Impact Oklahoma uh, was the uh, the reporter that authored the story. Um, I will say this is my first opportunity to be quoted in a national news publication, and I did use the phrase "douche with Mountain Dew," which I'm sure made my mother quite proud. <laughs> if you're Scott, if you're going to be ever quoted on NPR's Morning Edition, <laughs> can't beat it. Be can't. sure to use that that turn of phrase. Can't uh, can't be douche with Mountain Dew. Some, I mean, Mellow Yellow. Dr. Pepper, something. I'm going to start asking that in my... Uh, in your HMPs? My HMPs. <laughs> Have you ever douched with Mountain Dew? <laughs> Dear golly. Um, all right. Uh, so that's... Anyway, that's the, the HIV bill. Um, that's a big deal. And that really leads us to our last point here. And we've got just a few minutes left. Medicaid expansion Hey, yo. Hey, I've got a, some kind of uh, sound effect for that. But um, that's all right. Maybe this one. Uh, we use that one a lot. We, I'm. So the the deal is, listeners, I apologize. I got a new soundboard because we're using my laptop instead of the iPad now, um, and I've got more sound effects. It's true. It's true. But Andy, sound effects aside, this was a big weekend. <laughs> this was a big week in Oklahoma. So um, there's been a lot of talk about Medicaid expansion uh, for several years now. So in 2010 with the passage of the 2009 with the passage of the Affordable Care Act uh, also known as Obamacare if you've ever talked about was Obamacare it 2009 it was 2009 cuz when uh, did it go into effect though not for a couple of years it was, yeah but it was passed in 2009 because they did it before the 2010 elections well so 2009 is when i started at my my day job um, and when the hiv field but I, there was a couple of years of delay there and i was thinking about that this week of how long it's been yeah, no, it's been 2009 with the passage of the ACA, Affordable Care Act, also known as Obamacare. And one of the things that Obamacare did was give states, it it, it, it initially, it, it technically gave states the option, but really it kind of forced them to expand Medicaid. Um, several states declined to do that. There was a lawsuit that went to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court ruled that states don't have to accept the increased funds and expand Medicaid if they don't want to. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma, like many other states, for reasons that... Uh, <laughs> very significantly on who you ask, um, uh, decided not to expand Medicaid. Well, it's become clear over the last several years that there are hundreds and hundreds, almost a billion dollars of taxpayer funds that are paid by citizens of the state of Oklahoma to the federal government every year that are being used by the feds for other purposes that we could say, hey, we want those to come back to Oklahoma and, and use those to expand Medicaid. Um, Governor Stitt actually ran expressly on a platform of not expanding Medicaid, which is which is really interesting because one of the things that we have heard the most about from legislators on both sides of the aisle since they gaveled in earlier this month was that there actually may be an appetite for Medicaid expansion in Oklahoma. Um, There's a couple of reasons for this. I think if you put a truth serum in most legislators, especially legislators on the Republican side of the aisle, because they tend to be the party that would, that's more opposed to this. Um, why are we looking at Medicaid expansion? Because they want to avoid a repeat of what happened with medical marijuana. So for medical marijuana, medical marijuana was being talked, talked about and tossed around in Oklahoma for four to five years. The legislature declined to act. So an outside group said, Hey, 
Um, we're just going to do a ballot initiative and see if we can do it that way. So they wrote a medical marijuana law that arguably is the most liberal in the country, and it passed overwhelmingly. It, and it's, isn't it bizarre that... So people will say that you know Oklahoma's way behind the times and progress hasn't happened. And I'm like, yeah, but in the past 12 months, we raised taxes for the first time in 30 years. We got medical marijuana. We've got... Uh, expanded liquor laws like a, a whole bunch happened really quickly yeah and and so maybe nothing happened for a little while to like scale it back but there were some big steps made totally um but i think that the legislature what there are some folks that are they are because there there are several outside groups that are preparing to run ballot initiatives for medicaid expansion in 20 in 2020 and i think the legislature is a little wary of uh, so uh, if we don't uh, if we don't go ahead and do this, right. uh, them folks might do it on their own, and then we might be stuck with something we yeah. really don't like. That we like. didn't have any control over. Yeah, yeah and, absolutely. And, and then we got to live with it. So um, the first bill that somewhat, that you could term kind of Medicaid expansion, passed, uh, passed out of a Senate committee, the Senate Retirement Insurance Committee, unanimously this week. The bill is authored by friend of the pod, uh, friend of the pod and guest Senator Greg McCourtney. This is SB 605. Now, there's a little bit of a, is this Medicaid expansion? If no. you talk, thank, <laughs> I was the answer, say, is, answer is no. If you talk to the policy like experts and the, the wonky folks, and I would agree with them. Hello. This is, this is not Medicaid expansion in in the purest sense, meaning this does not, this bill does not increase or change who is eligible to enroll in Sooner Care. What this does, though, is it asks the federal government for a waiver where we can add a premium assistance plan called the Oklahoma Plan to the Insure Oklahoma. So it's kind of like what Arkansas did. Yeah. So it's Insure Oklahoma is like our like exchange kind of place, like where you can go. You can get sooner care there. You can get no, nope, no. Nope, you're no. way off. Oh, so sorry. Insure Oklahoma is Medicaid for working adults. Yes, that's what I meant to say. It's it's the same Medicaid plan, same coverage, but you have to work. There's a cost. You pay a premium. It's a cheap premium, but it's basically you pay for Medicaid coverage. Yes, that's what I meant. Yep, I was not correct in how I described. You it. were describing the health insurance marketplace. Yes, for which we participate in the federal marketplace. Yes, right. we did not institute a state based exchange. No. That's look at him just just fact checking me it's on like the fly. I do this for a living. Fact checking me on the fly. So this would create a plan within the <laughs> Oklahoma within Insure Oklahoma called the Oklahoma Plan, and it's a premium assistance plan. So eight oh five would essentially allow allow people to purchase a commercial plan through Insure Oklahoma, getting premium assistance from Oklahoma and from the federal government. Right. Where ninety percent of the funds come from the feds, and ten percent of the funds come from yeah. Oklahoma. And we would have to, we have to get a waiver from the Fed saying we can use that ninety percent right, right. for this instead of a straight expansion of Medicaid. Right. Senator McCourney says they've gotten every indication from the Trump administration that this waiver would be approved. Yeah, I'm sure um, they will. Yeah, I think so too. Um, and so this is this is uh, this is a step closer to increased access to healthcare for Oklahomans, but it's not it's not Medicaid expansion in the like purest. In the classical sense. That's, that's right. It's not as it was defined under the ACA. Right. Is it a good thing for Oklahoma? Yes. Is it the best thing? Yeah. Maybe not the best, but still uh, better, as my grandpa would say, better than a sharp poke in the eye. Amen to that. <laughs> All right. Um, so uh, in closing, as we kind of wrap up here, uh, a couple of announcements. Thank you to everyone from... Um, UCO and otherwise who came to our Capital Day event yesterday. Ava, thank you for coming. It's wonderful. Great Thanks turnout. That's our exciting, um, our first one. Our next one will be on March 21st. Um, there at the State Capitol will be in room 252, which is on the, uh, as you come in. Second floor. Second floor on the, the west side. West side, yeah. The left, the house side of the building. Right. Um, I'm going to move. So th- there were some chairs, like big racks of chairs kind of blocking the room number. 
Next right. month, I'm just gonna right. I'm gonna move those. Right, and and one thing just to just let everyone know, I mean, obviously, <laughs> first off, be aware that the entrance to yeah. it has changed. Um, I used to work at the state uh, state house of representatives, um, and so I, when walking in uh, as normal, going in the direction right. and then to the same door, uh, to the always same been. door, yeah. and then a friend of mine who is uh, works for. Um, the, the Choctaw tribe I saw her and she was going the other direction and I was looking at her crazy and I was like oh wait wait oh wait, oh so it's oh it's Look on the that. total other side so um, one thing that I, I definitely would recommend is that um, if you don't know where you're going to just ask around um, there's yeah. uh, people Look- Look for signs. Look for signs, and because it is very, very different, and especially for someone like me who's been going there for, uh, I just realized uh, ten years. Uh, I didn't even realize it until I was driving to the Capitol today. I've been there for ten years. Um, that it can be a little confusing. So um, yeah, so just keep that in mind because everything is very different. But it's going to look so gorgeous. When it's it's going to be done. really great. Yeah. So yeah. Um, well, yeah. So March twenty first, the next one. Details are on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Let's Fix This Okay, or our website Let's Fix This Okay dot org. I've not yet figured out or confirmed which legislators will be speaking to us, so stay tuned for that. But that'll be exciting. Um, and I think that's really the next big event we have. Um, we will have an announcement though um, in the next week or so. Um, for an event, uh, if you are in Oklahoma City, this will be a, a local municipal uh, event, uh, I believe, on March 26th, which is a Tuesday. So go ahead and mark it on your calendar, March 26th, um, and just go ahead and block that date. It'll be at the Tower Theater, and uh, it should be a really cool event, especially for podcast listeners. It may be a crossover event between the Let's Pod This crew and uh, another podcast here in town. We'll see what happens. It's going to be pretty awesome. Yeah, we have we have like... A tenth of a plan so far, but it'll come together <laughs> as it always does. We have like a tenth of a plan when we start the show every week. That's very true. That's not we're, true. We're working. We're That's working. They have a way more organized we're, than that. We're working on getting more <laughs> prepared. I need to. We need to discuss this Slack situation because I can't get it to open the way yours opens on your fancy iPad. There. If you guys love Slack, tell Andy that you love Slack because oh it's awesome. I, yeah. So I was googling how to do a public Slack chat today and. It's takes some coding that I don't have time or um, energy to do. So we'll figure it out, though. Um, all right. Well, um, with that, it brings us to the end of this episode. Uh, Ava Doyle, thank you for being Thanks on for the show me. with us. Scott, thank you. I hope I'll be able to come back. Sometime. I, I sure. keep hey. forgetting that we have a camera. I, that's okay. It's on the second time with the camera. And so I do like my head bobbing to the music and my like that's well that's okay my like weird gesticulating yeah well you don't want to sit there like a bump on a log this isn't i was just gonna say if we can just get elder selba to just remix it for us that would be awesome yeah thanks to uh sugar free all-stars for our theme music eater selba if you're listening you're welcome (laughs) you're you're welcome on the show anytime please yeah hey somebody forward this to uh josh molina and rich kishirway oh yeah that's a quick that's a i'm gonna Cut the music real quick. If you would like to see Josh Molina and Rishi Hereway from the West Wing Weekly podcast, come to Oklahoma City. Here's what you need to do, listeners. Tweet at them uh, as much as you can. Tell them Oklahoma City loves you. We want you to come here. Um, host a West Wing Weekly live podcast. Um, we will find a venue. The Tower Theater's already volunteered. Scott uh, and I have already discussed how to get them here, pay for airfare and stuff. We'll make it happen. Um, and we'd love to have you. So go ahead and if you're a big West Wing weekly fan, go ahead and send those tweets. Okay. Let me wrap this up before the music ends. Uh, don't forget to subscribe and rate Let's Pod This on Apple Podcasts and everything else. Um, on uh, You can connect with us on Twitter and Facebook. Scott is at SC Melson. I'm at Andy OKC. Ava oh, is yeah, at, at Ava D1. Ava D1. Our website is letsfixthisok.org. Um, sign up for the newsletter, read the blog, uh, find resources, watch these videos, and have a great week. <laughs>